if you build it, they will Dynamax. Ooh, quality movie. Everyone needs to watch it. It's been a long time since I've seen it. It has, but it's a good. It's it's good. It's like it's one of those ones you don't need to watch all the time, but everyone needs to watch it once. I think if you haven't seen Field of Dreams, classic American nostalgia film. Yes, about baseball with the great Kevin Costner and James Earl Jones. I forgot James Earl Jones. James Earl Jones is in this great cast. But we're not a movie podcast, despite our last episode being about movies. Don, we are a Pokemon podcast. Yes. So we are taking a little, uh, or I guess it's not really divergence because our last one was a little bit of a, was a, was a culture one. Uh, so we're kind of sticking into that train this week. Uh, and we're going to be talking about stadiums, specifically stadiums in the game and how stadiums in the real world work and how they get funded and built and what sort of considerations go into play specifically tied with consumers. Uh, we have a wonderful guest who has a background in behavioral economics and kind of the decision-making that goes into it because those factors all play into how to fund stadiums, where they should be built. There's tons of factors that go into these decisions. So we got a very interesting discussion uh, that I'm looking forward to having with our guest. So let's just move right into the news so we can get started with the show, Don. Let's get on. Yeah, get, let's get to it. I said, let's, I was trying to say, let's get on after it and let's get on to it, but I said it both at the same time. Let's get on after it. All right. Well, science news, Don. We have some uh, some Pokemon science news. If you if you want to hit us with an update, I would be happy to. So we have some new beetles discovered or described. I think maybe both even mm-hmm. um, in Australia. I will try to say the name: Benburum articuno, Benburum zapdos, and Benburum moltres were uh, three variant species of a family of beetles found in southern Australia. Shout out to. Dr. Darren Pollock and uh, Yun Hassau. I, I, I apologize on my pronunciation for sure. Um, it sounds like Hassau is the one who described the specific subspecies and decided to name the Beatles after Pokemon. Mm-hmm. He said he was a fan of the Beatles as a child and wanted to name them after legendary Pokemon because the Beatles were rare. Oh, wait, sorry. One more thing. Um, this the, These Beatles were presented on paper in late 2020, and they said since then... They've discovered more species that they are also considering naming after more Pokemon. It also says that the the gentleman who named them also discovered a separate beetle that he named uh, Demirsis Digimon. Ooh! So he's just he's just he's just touching all that nostalgia. I like it. Uh, but it kind of plays into a you know there's there have been some trends with other ones. So there's a, the article I found also found some insect spe- or named some insect species that were like uh, named after Charizard or Weedle. But I like that this guy was just like, no, I'm going for the legendaries. Like when we're naming this thing, we're going big. I just really hope that the Beatles have like some secret fact that only he knows as to why like this one's Articuno and this one's Moltres. Maybe one day we'll find out. And then it'll be too late. (laughs) (laughs) Or you find the beetle and then it just like erupts in flames. (laughs) He knew this whole time. That'd be pretty sweet though. Wasn't there someone named Dinosaur off of like a Harry Potter reference? Draco Rex Hogwartsia. That's uh, right. The Dragon King of Hogwarts. I don't know. I thought that was a fun story. That was, uh, I thought thought it was a fun one to to kind of share with our, our Pokemon community. I always love it when they find new. I mean, I don't know what happens pretty much constantly with insects, but it's always cool when they find a new new critter out there. Yeah, and that means that someone's got the pressure to name it 
which I don't ever want that. I don't ever want that pressure or responsibility. But we'll kind of we'll, we'll slide right to, into the the Pokemon news, which little light on Pokemon news, Don. Uh, but we've had so much news that that's okay. Uh, so we finally have our April Community Day in Pokemon Go. It's going to be April 11th, and it's going to be Snivy. I am excited because the Gen 5 starters kind of got the, the shaft in the Community Days. I liked Snivy as a mod in particular. I'm just saying in, in the Community Days, like they, were doing, they had a pretty re- reliable rotation of the starters. And then when they got to the Snivy... The Snivy, Oshawa, and Tepic one, they just kind of stopped and we're doing random ones. So I'm excited mostly because I want a shiny Embor, although I did see a shiny Superior and I think it's really cool. I like it. It's like subtle with like the trim colors are different. I think it's a good looking uh, design. But it's also going to get Frenzy Plant, which is like it's just going to destroy things because Frenzy Plant on any of the grass starters just give it. They should somehow make a way to give it a leaf storm contrary it already has leaf storm yeah but it needs they need to give it contrary to give oh, it the okay. signature superior strat of click the move a whole bunch oh okay i got you i got you number go up that's april 11th also for anyone who does go battle league like me it also is a times three stardust so if you pop a an a, a star piece that means it's times six stardust so it's a good way to farm dust to power up a lot of your pokemon for go battle league but the other the other bit of news that we have which isn't tied to the the pokemon game exactly don but pokemon snap as we've been talking about is coming out april 30th you're very pumped i'm very excited i am very excited lucas talked about it on his last one and i'm going to mention it here as well but lucas and i have decided to stream the original n64 pokemon snap on twitch I, I will be playing it on my N64 system that I've got hooked up and Lucas will be joining in and offering commentary, talking about animals and Pokemon. And we're just going to be having a lot of fun. Don, I assume you're probably going to jump in uh, from time to time. I'm hoping to actually. The plan is obviously Lucas is in Japan and I am not. So we have to be very choosy about when we do this. So the, the plan is that we are going to be doing every Friday starting next Friday. So April 2nd at nine o'clock at night eastern standard and we'll probably go for a couple hours the goal being to beat pokemon snap and then be able to play the new pokemon snap on april 30th when it comes out so we've got four weeks to beat it don i think i can do it i think i remember a lot of the things yeah i think that i played back through it a couple years ago i do remember being much shorter remembered it like as a kid i felt like it was a much longer game i'm almost wondering if i'm giving myself too much time to beat it <laughs> but well, I, mean, I think if you try to get like maximum score you can make it last a lot longer that's true that's true i hope you all come out so uh my my twitch handle which i'll be doing it from is prickles and thorns i'm sure lucas will add something in the, in the show description you can go and you can follow on twitch if you want to or you can just show up for the fridays at eight either way i hope you all come out and show we will try like we will try to keep it as the dialogue that we have on the show I do stream other games that are for a different audience than than the younger kids on my Twitch channel. But obviously on those Fridays at 8 time slots, it will be just Pokemon Snap. On other days that I do stream, I will be streaming other games. Like I do a lot of Apex Legends and that kind of stuff. But uh, I hope you all show up for it. I think it'll be a good time and we'd really just love different ways to connect with you all. So be looking for more info about that. Lucas will probably plug it 
next weekend too. And just, you know, hope to see you all out there. It's going to be a lot of fun. Classic game. If you've never seen it play, it's a little wild and a little weird to get used to. And I've been messing around a little bit and it's weird going back to the single joystick of the N64, Don. Yeah, I believe that. Because I think the last time I replayed it was like virtual console on the Wii U, or I want to say. Ah, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, this is, I'm going old school N64 single joystick. Here we go. So again, that's if you if you know if you want to join, uh, just find me at Prickles and Thorns on Twitch, or you can look in the notes. But on that note, Don, we've got a lot to cover with our guest, so let's go to our topic. Absolutely. All right. Well, we are here with our very special guest for the day, Anaru. If you wouldn't mind, uh, please introduce yourself to our listeners. Sure. Hello, uh, my name is Anaru. I am the GM, PM, DM of Not a Scratch, a Pokemon Mystery Dungeon actual play TTRPG podcast, and resident uh, econ guy. And, and what's and uh, specifically, what's your, do you have a, a background, an area that you like to look at? Uh, sure. So my major is in behavioral economics. So I look more at not just economic decisions, but how people interpret those decisions. Uh, more on the, I guess, psychological aspect of why individuals make the decisions that they do and how that impacts them in the future and past and all that sort of stuff. Everything, everything's a decision, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's almost like a decision sciences is what I do. Uh, not quite decision sciences. That's its own sort of field, but it's very hand in hand with that. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, today we are talking sporting arenas. I know I've, I've talked to you a little bit, uh, offhand. We both, we both are kind of sports guys. Just a little bit. Uh, totally ignoring all the sports stuff in the room and in the house right now. Just, just, just a little bit. <laughs> and and Don, are you are you do you partake in sports? I do. Um, with Corona and stuff going on for so long, I got really into uh to UFC MMA stuff because mm-hmm. that was like the main mm-hmm. thing to watch. I I do enjoy some. Uh, I mean, mainly I I think particularly football and basketball. Yeah, probably the yeah. two I follow the most mandatory go bucks right now oh no boo bucks anyways uh, <laughs> i live here i i must it is it is required okay, okay fine that's the a, contract that's a mandatory it's okay well you can't have sports without a gigantic arena to play in right facts yeah there needs to be a place for these things to happen and they are they come in all shapes and sizes i mean some of them see what like a hundred thousand like the michigan university's a hundred thousand or something like that it's it's very large, yeah. What factors do you think make a city a good option for having a stadium? What sort of factors from the general public need to go in there? Sure, the the biggest thing is interest. And I think that's where most decisions and most of the... I guess because owners ha- generally have a lot of control over their team and can use that to almost leverage their position when it comes to stadium deals and refurbishing and other aspects like that. So... Uh, as a big football guy, there have been a lot of teams moving around relatively recently. So when I really started getting into football was the late 2000s, I suppose. Uh, and my experience was that, oh, these teams have always lived in whatever location they're at. They never move. And over the past half decade, maybe a little bit more than that, we've seen teams move into Las Vegas and Los Angeles, moving away from cities like St. Louis and San Diego, and really seeing how that dynamic works the biggest thing comes from uh fan interest in those specific cities and then feasibility of sustainability if that makes any sense like the Mm -hmm. the city has to have enough people in the city that are interested in the game so that tickets are bought 
even if the team is doing good or bad. Because yeah. in a lot of locations, if you think um, San Francisco, for example, is just one random big city, uh, even if the team's doing terribly, San Francisco can probably still sell out a bunch of tickets. Mm-hmm. Or Dallas. Dallas is a perfect example. Dallas is a team that's very up or down at times, uh, talking about football. But even regardless of whatever that situation is, whether they're doing really good or really bad that year, their fans are going to come out and see them because the city is so big and there's a bunch of diehard fans in that city that they're going to the games regardless, which is the big thing when it comes to keeping a stadium working properly. It has to show that it's working and with seats being filled is the easiest way to almost track that. Yeah, you know, I guess. I mean, in, in Raleigh, it seems like it's a yearly thing where they're like whether or not the hurricanes are gonna stay or go mm-hmm. <laughs> I, and i remember like back in the day like they've been better and the seats have been filled but the first few years i was i was in raleigh it was a pretty rough showing for for like a tuesday night game you know yeah so, i actually um so i in my final semester at college i worked with the pittsburgh penguins because mm-hmm. i was going to college in uh the city of pittsburgh and uh the one aspect of the project involved us talking with focus groups. So we were trying to work on basically how the penguins were going to be able to keep season ticket holders interested. And when talking with them, I learned more about the penguins themselves and penguins fans. And they were in a big dry spell uh, before Crosby showed up. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, they were, they were talking about how fans would barely be in the, the, in the seats and how sometimes there were the entire sections that were empty. But then as soon as fan interest got back into it, fans started coming back into the stadium, started buying more tickets. But even when there wasn't a lot of interest in the Penguins as an organization, there were still a lot of fans that were going to get tickets, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So the so the hockey team was still successful even... They were successful financially, even if they weren't successful championship-wise, which yeah. is the big thing when it comes to stadiums and being built and sustaining them over long times, is that there has to be that interest. Otherwise, they could always just say, oh, I, we're just going to move. We're going to be the, I don't know, the, the Allenstown penguins or something like that. these stadiums on are a very large financial commitment there's almost always a reliance on public funding for the stadiums about how much i mean obviously it varies from city to city but what would you say is a current ballpark if someone was trying to build a new stadium what would that be and what are some of the ways these funds can are, are collected from the local taxpayer base and applied to these arenas Sure. So uh, some of the largest stadiums typically relate to football, American football, because American football is probably actually I I think it's definitively the most watched sport, if I'm not mistaken, in the U.S. at least. Yeah. So uh, some of the stadiums are built completely on the owner's penny. So, for example, the largest stadium is uh, SoFi Stadium. That's the one that was recently built for the Los Angeles teams, the Rams and the Chargers. Mm -hmm. The owner of the Rams, I believe, uh, completely built that stadium off of his own penny. I, I believe that one didn't have any subsidies, and that was nearly $5 billion. But or most stadiums are definitely built with a combination of owner's money and government money or solely government money, depending on how important that stadium is to the specific city or locale's finances. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the vast majority of those situations that require public funding come from a sort of stadium subsidy mm-hmm. in a way where the government provides a subsidy to franchises to basically keep them there. So striking a deal with them saying that, oh, let's uh, talk about specific uh, bonds, for example, or payments, tax exemptions, other sort of financial ways to be able to fix it so that the stadium cost is significantly less for the owners mm-hmm. and 
the government gets to keep that that stadium there, which increases revenues Mm -hmm. and betters them overall, hypothetically speaking. Yeah. I know when, uh, when PNC arena, I think was, I think it was, it opened in like the late nineties, but I think the, uh, the like funding calls for it started in the late eighties. And when it initially started, they, uh, instituted a prepared food and beverage tax and a room occupancy tax to, Mm -hmm. to start the funding for it. And, and, and that's just, I assume just one, one, like you said, it's one way that they can accrue the funds. Yeah. But the public dollars being tied to it often comes with the idea of an economic boon for the local area when the stadium comes. Right. Right. Uh, obviously like the reasons have to be presented before anything is signed. So w- what are some typical reasons? What could, what's usually said when they talk about, uh, hypothetical boons that would come to the cities? Sure. So, uh, Take all of this with a grain of salt, of course, because I'm not actually an owner of a professional sports team, although I wish I was. If there's any owner that would like to sell their professional team for uh, a box of crayons, that's that's I could I could help you there. I'll get it. I'll go in on that with you. We'll make it two boxes. <laughs> there you go. Crayons. Two boxes crayons. of crayons. We'll, we'll do the 64 pack. There we go. With the oh, that's a good deal. It's got the sharpener built in. Exactly. Yeah, we got this. Uh, we'll do, I don't, it doesn't matter if the team's good or bad. We'll take it. <laughs> uh, but uh, most of the the city boon concepts come from both the sales made in and around the stadium and then the city surrounding it. So typically what you think of is a home game. In a home game for, uh, let's take uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, for example. Mm -hmm. A home game for them means that people are coming in from out of city to Pittsburgh to Mm -hmm. presumably go to the game. And along that path, they're also going to be purchasing things like food and living location depending on how important that game is the actual cost of the tickets itself are going to be taxed as well and then anything purchased inside the stadium is taxed as well just all of these combine to increase government revenue from that perspective and then on top of that for businesses near the stadium hypothetically speaking if uh it's six hours before the game and you're trying to buy lunch you'll go to a, a bar or a restaurant relatively close to that stadium itself so that helps local businesses yeah and, and then i think there's uh, another factor of it too is the stadium itself is a job creator yes like there's the it, the stadium once it's built needs staff whether that's event staff or people running the actual team but there will be pr- hundreds to thousands of jobs tied to this now you could argue whether or not they are the majority of them might be lower wage jobs on on game day staff and all that but the the idea is that this the stadium itself is an entity that will create jobs for the area too. yeah exactly but one of the things you touched on which is kind of like the money that changes hands on the day so concessions but also you know people going to restaurants in the area especially like in a downtown area that's why a lot of these stadiums are built in in big cities because that's where they're you know that it's kind of that whole city experience there needs to be an accessibility factor to it you know yeah. growing, growing up in in washington there was a big deal when the washington team moved from rfk stadium which was you know downtown dc to maryland mm-hmm. kind of out in the middle of nowhere in landover it was harder to get to not a lot in the area obviously a ton of space where they could go and build a, a giant stadium but there wasn't that sort of it it wasn't as accessible and it wasn't as um that factor the new money coming into the area wouldn't be as stated wouldn't be stated as highly in that stadium because there's not much to do in that area whereas if right. you were to go to like a capitals game which is in Chinatown in DC there's a whole area around there with restaurants and bars and it's mm-hmm. more of a like 
an event place. So I, I said new money, which is essentially like, you know, they're like, hey, we build the arena. People will come and spend the money here. Does that get a little overstated though? Because what if the people would have just spent the money at the restaurant anyways? And now instead of spending a hundred bucks at a restaurant, they're spending a hundred dollars at the arena. That's not new money that's coming into the area. That's just, it's like repurposed, right? Yeah. So it's, it's hard to exactly quantify the impact that a stadium has partly because it's hard to see the before and after mm-hmm. like only very recently have we seen stadiums basically picked up and moved to a different location like the the raiders and chargers and so on that to actually track the impact of the, the economic difference between before the stadium comes and after they disappear mm-hmm. uh, that's only been researched relatively recently so it's it's probably very likely that the estimates that come up uh when stadiums are said to bring in x amount of dollars uh is probably overstated mm-hmm. just because it doesn't take into account money that would have been spent there anyway or money that would have spent in a different direction or something like that so yeah uh, that is true yeah so with new money and the money coming into the areas could we see an effect based on the size of the city so let's let's kind of separate here because lots of it lots of cities do get arenas they're just not necessarily the big four so let's kind right. of take a step back from the bigger arenas and go to like minor league baseball would building a minor league baseball stadium in a city potentially have a bigger impact for driving new money in that area than say putting in a stadium in like a top 50 population city potentially but you also have to look at it from the the owner's perspective. If the owner is suggesting, all right, you can build your minor leagues, you can build it in two different places. You can build it in uh, New York City, where there are there are millions and millions of people that are eagerly interested in the next new thing, or you can build it in Albany, which is significantly smaller, uh, though it's the capital of New York. Uh, you can build it there and uh, get as- access to that, and you're going to lean more towards New York because New York is a larger city with more people and more population. So from an owner's perspective, they really want to go for the big city, even if from a a best case scenario type of perspective, going to the small city might help bring more reasons for people to show up and do business there. It's it's hard to argue back and forth between those two things because the owner does generally have more leverage in that they can always say, well, I'll go to somewhere else because everyone wants a football baseball basketball stadium in their city so they can always just say oh just all right if you don't want us to go to your best city we'll just go to x state's best city yeah well if you take out the the economic reasons tied to stadiums isn't there just an it's kind of a sign that like your city has arrived like you have a sports team it's it's a draw factor i feel like it's a big get in the city get having game yeah Yeah. reminds me actually of um uh I remember a couple of years, I don't know if there's, it's probably still a thing, but I remember a couple of years ago, Amazon was uh, trying to get new workspaces in different cities. And it became almost a competition between different cities to say, oh, you should come to our city because. Yeah, we got one in Lakeland, Florida. And I remember like people were very yeah. proud of it. H- HQ2. Yeah, exactly. It's just that sort of uh, that prestige of saying we've got this. And because of that, we can bring a bunch of reasons as to why you should come here because we've got this. And. Now, along with that, you can come and explore the rest of our city while you're seeing this, whatever this is, uh, whichever stadium or whatever type of game it is. And that's actually a fair comp to what we've been talking about, because when essentially like cities were trying out for that, there were, you know, 
tax breaks and and deals and all that kind of stuff kind of put into like a proposal for why the city should be here and it was like well amazon will provide x amount of jobs that affects the tax dollars here lots of reasons going around because virtually every major city wanted i know raleigh was pushing hard for it because we've got the the research triangle area and they were trying to they're trying to build up around here uh, mm-hmm. But I think that's a pretty that's a pretty fair comparison outside of the sports world for kind of how these practices don't just apply for arenas. Yeah, at the end of the day, it is just a business, and whichever group is selling their product, whether it's Amazon trying to find a new HQ uh, headquarters, or I guess that's the same thing, or uh, um, a sports team trying to find their new location to be at and play their games, it's a business that they're selling, and different cities want to take advantage of any opportunities that can come with that business. So come over to our city. We'll offer you a hundred dollars off. Oh no, we'll offer you $150. And then just going back and forth like that. Yeah. Uh, obviously much higher scales, but I can't think of numbers higher than a hundred and 150 apparently. Yeah. So it's, it's a very interesting topic of research. I know there, like you said, there are a lot of research has been going into it recently. And I know that they, a lot of, uh, from some of the studies I've seen, haven't really seen, the economic boon that you know has like they're not like cities aren't flourishing because of the yeah. stadiums i remember reading a study before that uh somewhere around 80 to 85 percent of economists or something around that uh would prefer to have the public's stadium subsidies just eliminated because there's really no reason for it so professional sports franchises don't really need it but it's sort of this business deal that they've been building over time that has eventually led to where we are today yeah, it's kind of like the practice that that has been done. And at the end of the day, like if the stadium is built, the jobs will still be there. Like they still need to hire out, you know. But that's that's a pretty. You said eighty percent. That's a pretty staggering number too of the the economists backing that stance. Yeah, especially since uh, nobody agree, agrees on anything. So yeah, right. Eighty plus percent of people saying, yeah, we probably shouldn't have this. It's probably isn't that the joke among economists that. They, that you can never find two economists to say the same thing. Absolutely. But on that note, we will uh, we'll just jump into into the game and how it applies. The stadiums in the game are relatively new because this is pretty much just a Galler thing. Now, Don, I've missed a couple generations. It is just a Galler thing, right? Um, for the most part, there's like the contests in like Ruby and Sapphire. Mm-hmm. But those were more like I felt that more like a convention center feel. I feel like, yeah. And it, uh, it, I will I will throw in uh, black and white had a stadium. Yes, and um, obviously Coliseum had stadiums, and so did Stadium. But I don't know if those count. They have like sports teams too, right? Like you can fight like a baseball player, right? Yeah, that's I feel like there's yeah. Been... There's a couple of different professions. Yeah. So they also outside of the arenas for the for the pokemon they have sports arenas yeah it's it's pretty it's uh it's safe to say that there are sports in the pokemon world because not only that this doesn't really have to do with teams but the pokeathlon was a thing yeah and uh, right. sort of like this yeah. team concept as well uh but they really dove headfirst into the idea of oh we can play uh i i want to say that there was football but i'm not 100 percent sure yeah uh, there's a couple of different sports that were in the black and white that big stadium and Whatever yeah. city uh, Elisa was in. Eliza I don't remember what they played in that, but yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about now. For this portion, we will focus largely on Galler because it's probably the, the biggest representation of stadiums. I think largely because with the Switch and the graphics that it offered, they were able to have that kind of big arena space, that big arena feel, but also obviously tied with the UK and the Premier League. Yeah. With Team Yell, they leaned pretty heavily into that. So I get why it was such a big, a big, there was a big push for it in this game. Now, 
one of the things that I uh, that that struck me, and if you all disagree, by all means say it, but the arenas from city to city looked very comparable in size, right? Definitely different skins and whatnot, but it definitely seems like they're pretty similar sized. Oh, other than the um, I feel like the one uh. What's the like the poison at the poison gym where you're like I feel like that one though you're in like a warehouse. Oh, you're right, you're right, you're right. Well, that one, but so that that, that one is because they don't do Dynamaxing, right? And so they don't need the big stadium for that, right? Right. But so one of the things, uh, Honoré, that I, that I noticed is that the stadiums are roughly the same sizes, but the cities themselves are not. Yes. Yeah, I noticed that as well. And so like like Turf Field which I think was probably of the cities with the stadiums is probably the smallest city. I think so. Uh, but Turfield's stadium is almost exactly the same size as Wyndon. If you look at all the major cities that have like a big four sports team, there's not like, obviously LA is bigger than like Oklahoma city, but Oklahoma city is still a big city. Right. But when right. you look at something like the difference between Turfield and Turfield feels to me like a city that would have like a minor league team. Sure. But is there any sort of factors in terms of like, you know, getting the funding that could play like that, that could play into why these stadiums would be the same size? Yeah. I think uh, from a Pokemon perspective, it almost seems like there are rules in place. Like your stadium almost has to be X feet by Y feet type of Mm -hmm. dimensions that are set up, which would make sense to have all of these stadiums be roughly the same size. Mm -hmm. Um, on on top of that as well, I could see it in from a Pokemon perspective of you could have large cities be funded by uh, a public sense. So everybody chips in through taxes or whatever. And then the smaller cities that have stadiums are funded by individual donors or mm-hmm. the owner of the stadium itself for whatever franchise plays there. Mm-hmm. So I could see in uh, Turfield an individual paying for that entire stadium. Because, yeah. oh, I want a stadium near me and we can have gym badges and, and battles and all that chaotic stuff. Um, and then going to huger cities uh, like the Winden one, more money is thrown in from the public to make that ever so grander. And then on top of that, Winden is the, the final place as well. So there's obviously a little bit extra. It'd be like uh, if there was a specific place for the Super Bowl to be played or uh, the, the World Series. They'd probably chip in a couple extra bucks to make that stadium that much more impressive compared to a regular game. Yeah, it kind of sucks that they uh that only Winden gets like the high profile games, you know? Yeah. None of the that it doesn't move around. People in Turfield don't really get that that glamour. But we talked a little bit about it in the other one, uh which is in order to basically, you know, have the stadium, you need to have people go. You need butts in the seats. Exactly. And one of the main features of Galler is their rail system. How big a role does public transit take in, in getting people to these arenas? How does it? How can it impact it? It definitely impacts it a lot. I think it makes it significantly easier to reach the game. Because like we mentioned earlier, when the Washington team moved their stadium, it's harder to access. And as a result, it's harder to actually get to the game. So by building the public transit system in the Galler region, it makes it that much easier for people that are a distance away to just hop on and get over to whatever stadium. And if they hear about a new battle that's going uh the way that I'm, I perceive it, and there's a lot of gray area here, cause this is sort of my opinion, but uh, the galaxy stadium, it almost seems like instead of the battle beginning it immediately, even though it sort of does, mm-hmm. uh, there's a sense of like, Oh, the battle's going to start soon. So let's publish it out to everybody to get the stadium packed as much as possible, uh, especially for the bigger events. 
because it, it makes more sense for big events like this to be publicized. And so I feel like instead of the battle beginning immediately, there's like this time delay. Uh, this is me putting like fan cannon in here, but yeah, like a time delay. So that uh person from XYZ city is like, Oh snap, there's a, the champions being fought for the first time ever. Let's go over there and uh, hop on to watch that match. And then rushes over like that to get the stadium back and stuff like that. Yeah. So, uh, on top of the gallery itself is significantly smaller <laughs> than the U S so yeah. it's hard for somebody from Seattle to be like, Oh, let me go over to Orlando to watch a game. <laughs> Yeah, very true, very true. But we talked about when the when you know one of the promises that stadiums have is that they're bringing jobs to the area and creating economic opportunities in the area. But in the Pokemon stadiums, there's only like three or four people working there, right? And and they're also all tied to the league or that whatever Chairman Rose's organization is, right? Like it's just those three people in the front. You don't see concessions. You don't see concession stands. You don't see people or uh or people walking up and down the the stands throwing popcorn unless i'd completely missed it they're all in that back corner that you just happen to not be able to see it's just like like you know it's this massive area and it appears to be run by three people one whose job is solely to guard the door like an nba arena on a game day has like thousands of of staff right. whether that's security concessions PR and then reporters that come in and there's absolutely none of that in the games. And, and you really like, you almost wonder how these stadiums are being run because you like, I'm not saying we need to see like the inner workings, but like, man, like just make you think, I wish there was just something that kind of like they, they, they put so much into the stadiums, like bringing it in and making it. I wish there was just a little bit more rounding out of like that experience because it just feels so hollow. Like it's just people show up for a five minute battle and leave. Maybe there's a bunch of like pre-challengers that we just don't get to see since we're the main event. Well then like, but you need to feed those people in the stands. That's a good point. And then like, obviously like presumably they're all going to the bathroom and leaving a mess. So there's needs to be people to clean up after them. Um, like there's that security card is just really, really good at his job. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That's right. Well, that also it brings up another completely uh, wild question of thinking about like region population size. Mm-hmm. Like the the Hoenn region has what maybe three hundred people total. I don't even think it's that. It might be less than that uh, when you add up the population of everybody. And I think like th- there's like a couple hundred, maybe a half of a thousand or something people in your region, and you're able to sustain an entire country from that. Like just the concept of that is wild. Like I uh, feel like it would take that many people to run a stadium. Do you know how many people are in Galar? Are we counting people in arenas or no? Like the population of the Galar region. I don't. I Well, I, I did not know it. I just looked it up. It's 727. That's I think that's high too, which is crazy. Yeah, for a Pokemon world, that's probably very high. But like, I feel like that's just, that's what's at a stadium. Like, yeah. That's like half of the damn region in one stadium. So, so I'm picturing this as well because it's like 700 people or so. So, are we expecting to think about it from this perspective? Hey, there's a gym battle happening in. It's the very first gym battle. Nobody really cares. It's the first gym battle. As a result, everybody from the entire region is now traveling to that one specific location to fill up the stadium so that your stadium actually feels like a stadium. yeah it's like does the entire rest of the region shut down when there's like a when there's a match in turf field (laughs) guys there's a pokemon battle everybody rush like like you know you did you ever watch friday night lights 
Uh, long time ago, but yeah. But like, so like, there, you know, when it, when it's a game day, they have all the signs go up in the town, like you know, game day closing early, like that kind of stuff. Like, yeah. It's like match and turf field, gotta go, and then they like hop the train from Winden and just go watch. <laughs> just, just have the trains be jam packed with people. Yeah. You go into the game. Where else do you think I'm going? Everything is closed because there's one battle between a ten year old kid and the gym leader in a completely different side of the country. That's like. Also, I've, those stadiums feel like they seat a lot more than 727. So maybe there is some some serious new money coming into the area from people from outside regions coming in. I'm picturing I'm picturing this as well. Not only because they have to fill the entire stadium, right? So not only people in Galar, but every single region just shuts everything <laughs> down to watch this one kid do a gym battle. They shuttle everyone over. They said they just send out like a flock of Corvanite taxis to fly people in. I'm yeah. waiting for the next um. I'm waiting. Maybe we'll get. Here's my theory. Okay, I have a new theory now for the Diamond Pearl remakes. Team Galactic is has actually been using Palkia and Dialga to make like wormholes to teleport every region's <laughs> thing to watch ten year olds battle in the first town. Oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> there you go. Did it. Although, like, if we're if we're being real though, I feel like a Galar of all the regions would be the region to be the biggest draw. For other regions to come because of the dynamax factor sure yeah like that's the like oh like you know do we want to go see brock fight his onyx again or do we want to go see a giant chubby pikachu right i'm picturing i'm just trying to put this into other region contexts. like hey guys guess what uh remember rourke the recently announced gym leader due to the, the father getting a completely different gym on an island well his Corinidos is fighting off a, a turtwig everybody rush it Go. We all gotta go right now. We gotta go, we gotta go. <laughs> and not only that, I'm picturing it from game time perspective, because the entire Pokemon game takes like 24 hours to something around there. So I'm picturing like every two or three hours, a new gym battle is happening. And so everybody bull rushes that stadium. Alright, well, on that, we'll we'll, uh, we'll head on into the wrap-up. All right. Well, thank you, Anaru, for joining us. If our listeners wanted to uh, engage with you or, or your show, uh, could you give them uh, some way to, to connect with you or, or find you? Sure. Uh, so as I mentioned earlier, uh, my podcast is not a scratch. It's a Pokemon mystery dungeon to create a dice rolling adventure where you are the Pokemon. It's as chaotic as it sounds. Uh, you can find the podcast pretty much wherever you listen to podcasts. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at not a scratch cast. Or follow me on Twitter at Adurin Region. That's A H D U R I N Region. Um, along with that, I have a YouTube, tw- uh, Twitch, all that fun stuff. Uh, that's pretty much it. And he's also a another member of our wonderful Pokecasters network that you can follow on all social media and connect with. Correct. Applause inserted here. But on that note, Anru, thank you very much for your time. I had a lot of fun. I love talking sports. Thank you again for your time, Don. Thank you. Uh, thank you honestly yeah thank you for coming out this was a really interesting um yeah definitely out of like my usual realm of expertise some interesting stuff in there i really appreciated it yeah thank you very much i've uh i was excited that you guys called me to come on and uh glad to talk about a topic that i actually know about so yeah we also want to thank you listener for giving us your time uh one of the best ways that you can support the show is by leaving us a review because it really helps us in algorithms on on things like apple Podcasts. so if you happen to go in there and you know, leave a review, 
Uh, lots of people have been leaving us terrific show ideas that we've been marking down and, and putting in some work to bring those to you all. If you want to leave an idea for a show or if you just want to tell us you know, what we're doing well, what you're enjoying, what we could be doing better, we really appreciate the engagement. Connect with us on social media. We love hearing from you all and we really appreciate you and the, kind of, and the community that we're building. So thank you for being a part of it. Be sure to come out if you can and you're able uh, to our Pokemon Snap stream with Lucas. It's going to be a lot of fun and we're going to be doing it all throughout April. So hope to see some of you there. And I'm so excited. On that note, uh, <laughs> take care and we'll catch you next time. 